This week's Magnificently Huge podcast is for the 90s kids. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone to the Magnificently Huge podcast, my name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will join me for a discussion about the Disney Renaissance. We had a listener uh, send. We actually had a listener send us an, a mail, which is a thing you can do. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But but you can do that too. And and he he had all sorts of ideas for show ideas. And one of them was he wanted to show in the Disney Renaissance. And I thought, well, we are in 2019, which is the year of the just Disney taking over all the things. And this summer. They're sullying two of the movies from the Disney Renaissance. Disney decided for whatever reason we needed a live-action version of Aladdin and a live-action, quote-unquote, live-action version of The Lion King within, like, a month of each other instead of, like, several years apart or never or anything else. But that's what we're getting. And I thought, hey, between those two, that's a good time to actually get around to the Disney Renaissance episode. So we're going to focus on Aladdin and the Lion King, but the others will get a shout-out once in a while. If you want to contact us and suggest a better show, please do. You can find all the ways to contact us on our webpage, which is maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. On that site, you can find a link to our Twitter feed. We are at maghuge. On Facebook, we're Magnificently Huge Podcast. On Instagram, we're Magnificently Huge Podcast. And you can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. As always, we're always looking for a larger audience, so if you can share the podcast on your feeds, if you can rate us on your podcast apps, uh, that's always appreciated. Um, yeah, that's about all I got to say about that. Let's just get to the show! Flat, be fat and lazy. You walked in and oops a daisy. It's a kiss, it's a kiss. Sykes a lot of loving less. Once We're speaking like Fred Schneider today. Whammy, <laughs> kiss me, whammy, hug. There's a monster in my pants and he does a dinky dance. It's been such a long time. I think I should be going. Is he singing Boston here? Time doesn't wait for me. I think I should be going. Good lord. When I am driving, I think that would be a fun podcast someday. Just a short one. Let's record what we do in the car when we're alone. Because it's got to be entertaining. <laughs> I listen to podcasts. You don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't sound like a jerk. You don't like sit there going, harba, harba, ho, ho, well, ho, if donuts. That's donuts. That's a dog. You don't, you don't just like talk like a dummy. I, I feel weird now. Good lord, Eric! We've no record it. Let's let's make that a whole a whole segment. It, here's it would be me. Here's the dumb shit Eric said in the car. Yeah. Well, I remember he uh, he would post videos years ago, uh, like if Erasure came on, and he would just magically start dancing in his fucking driver's seat. Yeah, to Erasure. Uh, well, that's what you would get. Fit perfectly. It could wedge into the steering wheel perfectly, so that I had this dash cam on me perfect unless i had to steer in which case the viewer was upside down but okay never mind <laughs> yeah so, i'll figure it out come on eric show us that whammy come on <laughs> all right so hey everybody it's the magnificent the huge podcast my name is brian this is I'm chris eric. yeah that's there you jerk yeah that was your pause <laughs> and you didn't jump in Whammy! Kiss me! Whammy! Hug! Good luck. Sorry. Uh, this I is like our synergy se- today. <laughs> this is our, our second Wednesday recording session, uh, and it's already way better energy than any weekend we've ever done two weeks in uh, running. It's because we're not cold. Oh, jeez. We're definitely not cold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it was 110 degrees today, and that took out a critical piece of my car. 
Uh, got in, it's a Chevy Volt. I got in the car, turned it on, and the screen that tells me important things like the speed I'm going or, you know, how much uh, battery or gas my car has did not turn on. Uh, so the heat that's did fun. That. Yeah, I think so, because once the car cooled down, it came back. Mm. But yeah, that's not great. I remember working at the uh, uh, the movie theater on Baseline and Rural the summer that it went to 122 degrees. I think I tell this story every summer. I might be wrong, but I was at the ticket-tearing booth, and every 10, 15 minutes, a car's radiator would explode just in the parking lot. Foomph. <laughs> and you'd, you'd hear that sound. Foomph. And then this 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 cloud of, of, of steam. And I, I saw tow trucks going back and forth all day. Chris, do you, do you want to complain about the heat? Uh, no, it's not really the heat. It's the humidity. And uh, that's what gets you. And the open flame. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I did like that. Yeah. Just we want to talk about weather. Sure. Because uh, here in central Texas, uh, this was like two days ago, I guess it was. Uh, perfectly fine, sunny, bright, warm. And then uh, a couple hours later, it was almost pitch black and then a storm rolled through with like 70 mile an hour winds. Oh and, yeah. And then in like <laughs> another hour and a half later, it was back to normal, just regular clear skies. It's like, what the, what the hell just happened? I love those desert storms. Those desert storms are the shit. Ah, uh, so yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what we've been dealing with. So, uh, everybody's thrilled to learn that. I'm sure. Yeah, welcome to the Magnificent Weather Podcast. Yeah. Yes, um, yes, enough of this nonsense. Forecast calls. I've come here to kick ass and record a podcast, and I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that was the worst paraphrasing of They Live I have ever heard in my life, Eric. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. Okay, forecast, forecast calls for some fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Okay. Anybody got any uh, any stuff they've been doing this week? Any things you've been watching or reading? Or Eric's got some fresh married. I've been uh, 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 cracking out on. I I'm prepping for our YouTube show, and I know that Chernobyl is on HBO right now. And God damn it, I want to see it. But I've been watching basically every Chernobyl documentary there is before I see the actual show. Because I think they're, everything about that Chernobyl is fascinating. Cold War, uh, Soviet Union design, and nuclear catastrophe. Oh. It's fun, it's fun, not, fun. but it's not totally true to life, is it? I've heard a lot of complaints that it doesn't hew to the absolute well, facts. He hasn't, he hasn't been watching the HBO show. Okay. He's been watching, yeah, I've been watching the documentaries real and stuff on YouTube. Until I can, when I go in to watch it, I can, you know, I can... Okay. So the thinking about it, but the stuff you I, when he goes in to watch it, he could be disappointed yeah. with how inaccurate <laughs> yeah, okay. it is. But that's, I'm also listening goal. to the uh, Chernobyl podcast, which is a six-part mini podcast interview with the writer, where he talks about why he did what he did. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm picturing a, ch- a podcast from Chernobyl, and there's like crackling tractor <gasps> yeah. counter sounds interrupting the whole. Yeah, thing. do that show. No, nothing's wrong. Nothing is wrong, comrade. Ah, we're fine. <laughs> okay. We're fine. It's All fine. Right. Well, so long oh, as the one w- of us w- can be Paul Lind. It's fine. <laughs> Sam. <Sorry>. Oh, good <laughs> God. Eric had his Wheaties today. Yeah, no shit. And his <laughs> fucking crack. Good Lord. <laughs> uh, Eric. Yes. Who's to blame for this? Who's to blame? <laughs> who's, to blame? <laughs> who's to blame when you aren't lethargic anymore? So, who's to blame when podcasts really get out of hand? (laughs) (laughs) So, you've just been doing podcasts then on Chernobyl. I've been to. watching YouTube videos on podcasts. <laughs> I listen to a I, thing Eric has said. That's because he <laughs> just he just starts going off, and I'm like picking up every fifth word in between the oh. the Fred Schneider. So yeah, uh, well that's what I'm doing. Cool man, okay. cool, cool. Chris, what do you got? Uh, what have I got? Oh, uh, Archer 1999 started, and that's oh. fun on FX, where they're basically. Uh, in space now, so they're basically doing uh, riffs on all of the sci-fi stuff that you know and love. So, oh, so it's not 
It's not like 1999, it's like Space 1999. Well, they call it Archer 1999, but they're basically on a spaceship and getting into shenanigans, and uh, it's fun. Krieger is... There's, there's, no, there's no attempt at continuity with that show anymore, right? It's well, like no, every season is its own weird well, yeah, like scenario. The, the whole thing now, with at least this is what, the third or fourth season now, uh, based on the premise, because Archer is now in a coma, so every season now is basically some sort of coma dream that he's having. And so they can do pretty much whatever they want. Yeah. So it's, you know, noir private detective. It's the Tales of the Gold Monkey, World War II Pacific Island adventure stuff. Uh, Now it's uh, space. They've jumped the shark with an option to turn to the ramp. Yeah. So it's fun. They're just having just really weird storylines and uh, making fun of everything. And it's it's good. It's, It's Archer. If you like Archer, then you'll like that. Uh, if you don't like Archer, then uh, don't bother. So it just started. Uh, I'm giving it a couple more episodes to see if it's really solid or if it's just sort of standard. So far, it's kind of rickety out of the gate. So, eh, what are you going to do? Uh, but apart from that, uh, nothing. I've been reading a biography on Bruce Lee. And I am now up to the point where he has finished. Okay, you've taken reading the book over watching things too far. <laughs> yeah. Reading Bruce Lee is yeah. not as interesting as watching Bruce well, I'm up, Lee. I'm up to this the... paragraph about bicycle kicks, <laughs> and it was awesome. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm up to the point where he's just finished Enter the Dragon. Uh, don't tell me what happens next, because I really don't know. Uh, but, but basically, there's a few things I didn't know about Bruce Lee that I was astonished to learn from this book. Uh, number one, he was a child actor in Hong Kong before he moved to United States. And he was a very popular child star in Hong Kong, no less, which is just weird. So basically, it's like if Macaulay Culkin grew up to be John Wick is basically what that boils down to. <laughs> and it freaks me out to, to know that. Uh, number two, he, his left testicle never descended. Uh, that's buried in the book, but it was a very astonishing fact to me, and I will never forget it now. So every time I yeah. see Bruce Lee, all I can think about is fact too, <laughs> yeah, that, that one of his testicles never descended. Ah, oh, it's amazing. And then uh, what was the third thing? Uh, he, yeah, I Does don't know. It matter. We just we're talking about Bruce Lee's balls <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, but Unless yeah. you're going to tell me something really weird, like he was Chinese, then I don't see what could top that. Ah, well, he wasn't full Chinese, though, so take that and put it in your pipe and smoke it. Oh, wow, you do have interesting facts. Jerk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, just as a random happenstance, while I was uh, flipping through channels this weekend, I just came across Enter the Dragon and watched it again for like the 50th time. And I always forget that John Saxon is in it until I'm actually watching it. And how? How do you forget that? Because <laughs> uh, it's it, to me, it's a forgettable movie. I I don't I don't think it's a great movie. It's not. I don't you know. know maybe he's it's so particularly awful in everything. But this is sort of the <laughs> yeah. height of Saxon yeah. awful. Well, it kills me because when they made it, they it was Warner Brothers approached Bruce Lee to do this American kung fu movie, so it was a big deal because no one had really done that. But then to hedge their bets, they cast a white guy and a black guy along with Bruce Lee to yeah. sell it to American audiences. And so for the pre-production, John Saxon thought he was the star. <laughs> <laughs> and then his bubble was burst hard when they actually got to Hong Kong and started filming. And so to read about that is quite funny because uh, <laughs> it's like, you, you did you not know who Bruce Lee was, dude? No? Okay. Good, good on you. So... Yeah, he's the child star. <laughs> yeah. What? What? Yeah. What? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so in short, I have not been doing anything interesting this week, as you can see. All right. Well, I'm going straight down the hole of brain garbage for my fresh shit this <laughs> week. Okay. So, a few, a few tidbits. Um, uh, how, how, how do I explain myself? Um, I've mentioned in the past that when we're tired at the end of a long work day and we really don't want to think or anything, we've been known to watch shit like 
like America's Got Talent or American Idol or th- those kinds of shows. Does it have to have you and your wife, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I yep. have never watched yeah. that in my lifetime. And okay, we just we just turn it on and sort of drool on ourselves and let and let the stupid wash over us. How dare you! And here's the thing, right? Like, <laughs> it's gotten to the point where we've realized just how awful the voting audience of these shows is. Like, how how much we hate the rest of America, where they just keep picking the dumbest, worst acts and voting them up and up and up and up. The guy who won American Idol was one of those. And we're, we're watching the, the season premiere of America's Got Talent, and this fucking group shows up. It's four eight to ten-year-old girls who call themselves G-Force, and they have this overly peppy song. Sometimes I the, question uh, your dedication to Sparkle Motion. Oh, you will not de- question the dedication these girls have to Sparkle Motion. The lyrics to their song starts out, the, it, the lyrics are, Break the internet, we going viral. What are you going to sing? We're going to sing an original song. What's the song about? It's about going to the top together and not letting anyone push you down. Wow. Break the internet, we going viral. And I looked at my wife, and the blood drains from my face, and I'm like, oh, fuck, America's gonna keep voting for this. This isn't gonna end. This is what's gonna happen. These assholes are gonna be around for, and I'm like, just clawing at my face and curling up in a ball for three minutes. And then does Charlene say it's like America's Got Talent, no one really cares? No, no, she's with me. She's like, oh shit, you're right, fuck. And then we just, you know, we just wallow in our misery. And then you, America got stupid. Dirty, 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 dirty. Like that. So, so to cleanse the palate, uh, we, we tried to do something uh, higher level of stupid. Uh, there was a Riff Tracks Live for a movie called Star Raiders. Now, I had thought that we were going to go see a Riff Tracks on some, like, you know, Vintage 80s, I can't believe it's not Star Wars type movie. No, turns out Star Raiders was made in 2017. Oh, yeah. And stars Casper Van Dien from, from the... Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. And nobody else. <laughs> What's next, Captain? Simple. We save the universe. I think I, I think I saw this on Amazon Prime back when we were doing the last... I can't believe it's not Star Wars. And I thought it was Space Raiders, and then I had to read the title again to see that it was not. It was Star Raiders, and I thought, what? Yeah, there is a Space Raiders, but this is Star Raiders. At, 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 as they point out in the, in the Rift Tracks, at no point does anybody do any Star Rating. Um, but <laughs> Is it at all a tie-in to the 2600 game? No, it is not, but I, but I did think about that. Um, no, it, it sucks. It's like... They did a Kickstarter for the special effects budget of $20,000, and uh, yeah, that's about $20,000 for the special effects on the screen. Um, there's no reason to see it, and unfortunately, the riff tracks weren't nearly as vicious as I think they, they needed to be, makes, so it was actually kind of a disappointment. It makes you wonder whose dick Casper Van Diem didn't suck, you know? Well, that it wasn't Paul Bear. I don't know, but yeah, it wasn't. But Paul he's Bear. he's you know cozying up to women who are half his age in this thing. You know, it's you. Uh, um, I wonder if he well, has both his he's testicles. Be, he's pretty old by now, so like twice his age, I'd be like Betty Buckley, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, no, he's twice their age. Did oh, I say it the other yeah, way around? Yeah, you said it the other way around. Okay, I'm okay. wrong. Yeah, no, he's he uh, he actually looks remarkably similar. So I would pay uh, to double to see him in like a sex scene with Betty Buckley. That would be funny. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's Johnny Rico you're Good. talking about there, sir. <laughs> Good plan. Yeah, yeah but she so, was the so hot we'll switch cat. gears. <sighs> we'll switch gears to to a different kind of break garbage. This week is E3 week in the video game world. Get hyped everybody. Not Woo. one E. Not two Woo. E's. E3. Yeah, it's it's E3 cubed. Here's all the games Chris that you're going to be wishing care. had patches in six months. <laughs> I just, I, the only headline I saw was that everybody lost their minds because Keanu Reeves is in some uh, major yeah, game. Yeah, he's in the Cyberpunk game. Yeah. Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. 
with Keanu Reeves because if you're going to make something and call it cyberpunk, by God, Keanu Reeves has to yeah, be involved. You need to get yeah. Johnny Mnemonic in that bitch pronto, or it doesn't <laughs> there's exist. Only one, there's only one dulcet monotone that will do it when you're talking cyberpunk. <laughs> I'm opening the that game. Door. Actually, looks phenomenal. Um, it, it looks boom. like I will never have enough time to play it. I am a um, cyberpunk hero. That's <laughs> yeah. Where's the Point Break game? That could be ironically hilarious. Yeah, we'll see. So, um, I'll talk about a few of the things that that did happen in the show. So, the big re- announcements. They're finally showing off the Final Fan. Well, yeah, it's the year of remasters, and the big one is the Final Fantasy VII uh, remake. Ooh. Um, they are splitting that into multiple games, but I remember once I had a friend who basically, back in 1997 or whenever that game came out, was like, you know what? I I can't get into these games. Call me when they look like the cutscenes. This game looks better than the cutscenes of Final Fantasy VII, except that it is Final Fantasy VII. Um, I liked Final Fantasy 7. Yeah, check out the videos on this one. It looks pretty solid. Um, That was like the only Final Fantasy worth playing. Uh, I mean, the the, the actual role-playing ones, like 3 and 2 maybe, but that was a fun-ass game. Yeah, they've they're they've made it all 3D, and I guess it's going to take a lot longer to play because they're splitting it into multiple releases. Um, and the first one that only takes place in the city, I guess, spans two Blu-ray discs, so it's going to be mammoth. Um, the there's also four, a new put some of that shit on the cloud. The cloud. The cloud. We're also. <laughs> We're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of old games getting uh, remastered or brought over to modern consoles. So there's like a Contra collection for the Switch, and Panzer Dragoon. The first Panzer Dragoon's getting remade for the Switch, which is cool. Which one was Panzer so, Dragoon? That was on the Sega Saturn. It was you're flying on this dragon, and you could spin the camera. Oh around right, 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 right. Stuff. Okay, yeah. Super stylish. I hope it does well because I want them to revive the general aesthetic and world of Panzer Dragoon. We'll see. Okay. Um, they finally announced and showed content for the new Avengers game. This thing has been in development since Age of Ultron. And everyone assumed it was going to be a tie-in to the MCU, and it's not. Um, it's more like the Spider-Man game from last year, where they're doing their own storyline, and they've got their own designs for the characters, kind of. Um, oh, so they don't have to pay the actors royalties? The yeah. Right. Well, they're paying some big name voice actors like Nolan North uh, to be in it, but but yeah, no, they don't have the likenesses. It's it's completely disconnected from the MCU. There's no need to keep with the continuity. Well, um, I I applaud that honestly. I think that's yeah, that's what you need to do to sustain something like that. Because if you're just making the game like the movies, then really, what's the point of playing the game? You know what I mean? People are kind of disappointed though. The character designs are a little off putting. And they didn't show enough gameplay to convince people to get excited about it. So it's it feels like a big question mark right now. Somebody in marketing dropped the ball. That's good. Yeah, they really did. And if you compare that to another Marvel game, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, which is coming to the Switch, uh, that's got a cartoon comic book look style to it. And they've got all kinds of characters that people recognize, including all of the children of Thanos from the last... Those are based very much on the designs from the movies. Um, And that game looks like a blast. So two Marvel games, one of which is a big, dumb, cartoony thing, and one is the big budget, and the big, dumb, cartoony thing looks better. Uh Well, as it should, Um, as it should. And, of course, the the Lego Avengers will do better than either of them. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Oh, I Um, I don't want to see Lego Hulk. I really don't. Oh, Lego Hulk is awesome. That exists. That, That... Lego Marvel Superheroes, check it out. Lego Hulk is great. Okay. Okay. Um then there's there's two more things I'll mention and then I'll stop it. Um one is there's been a lot of speculation about there's uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, which is a fighting game that has crossovers with like every other video game. But really only Japanese publishers. They've got characters from just about anybody, any other Japanese companies in this big Nintendo fighter, so you've got Mario fighting Sonic, fighting Mega Man, fighting um, Cloud from Final Fantasy, fighting whatever. Um, 
But one character that was thought to be out of out of reach was finally brought to Smash, or at least announced they're going to bring Banjo-Kazooie into this game, which is owned by Microsoft now, Microsoft having bought Rare. Technically still a Nintendo-published title because... or a Japanese-published title because Nintendo published Banjo-Kazooie, but uh, was kind of a surprise. And then finally, I'm going to shout out to an indie game that no one's heard of that looks fucking awesome. It's called Super Liminal. And I'm just going to tell you to go find the trailer for Superliminal and watch it because it's kind of like Chris's book about Kung Fu or a book about, you know, flavors or smells. It's hard for me to talk about this thing, which is about optical illusions. Um, The idea is that when you interact with something, you know, you're looking at it through a perspective, you know, a normal camera. And whatever size the thing is from that perspective, when you grab it and you move around, it is that size. So if you move far away from something and then grab it, it's small. If you move close up to something and then grab it, it's huge. (laughs) And then it gets weirder from there. Now you're making me think of Sesame Street. Show me far. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So anyway, E3 is on. Uh, It's kind of a lame E3, but um, it's always good to, you know... Go back to my hobby and watch people get hyped about new video games. That's my fresh shit. That was really good fresh shit, guys. High yeah. five. High five. Yeah. Uh, all around. All around. <laughs> good job. Good job. It was super frosh. Uh, I would also right. like to uh, curse you, Brian, for making me rewatch a couple of Disney movies that I had put away and I hadn't looked at them <laughs> for 25 yeah. some odd years. So thank you. How dare you? You're insulting our listeners. We had a listener actually send us show ideas, yeah. Chris, and this is one of them. Yeah, he so wanted a Disney listener. Renaissance show. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Cool. I, I don't, hey, remember his I don't name, have a problem but... with people that like them, but I don't. So I'll I'll be the bad guy this episode if you like. I'll be the villain of the piece. So, we we do you have a villain song for us? Uh, Are you prepared, Chris? I don't have a song anyway. in, in my um. head. You ain't you ain't never had a friend like me. Would that work? Yeah, that that <laughs> okay. Close. I um, am secretly gay, like all Disney villains. <laughs> I'm secretly gay. Oh, uh, I'm actually gonna put a drop in here from the Lego Movie Part Two because the villain song in the Lego Movie or the second part, I guess, is all about how she's totally not evil. Uh, we had a request to do a show about the Disney Renaissance, commonly uh, referred to as the period that starts with The Little Mermaid yeah. in the late 80s. That's 89. goes through Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King, and arguably stops at that point. Well, uh, although I, some people would try to jam some other stuff in. I will stop you there. Uh, you did forget Rescuers Down Under. Ah, Did I, though? You did. You did. That's the thing. Mm. I know Disney, they have a very specific, um, I guess, criteria for whether or not something is a Disney classic, and that's not. And I remember... Yeah, but it came out after Little Mermaid. But that's that's the thing, though. I was working at the movie theater when when Little Mermaid came out and when Rescuers Down Under came out. And one of them, you know, well, first I was like, how is Little Mermaid a classic when it came out now? And, you know, how can Rescuers Down Under <laughs> well, not be a classic? It's the same thing. And they were like, no, not Disney specifically said this is classic, even though it's now. And- hey, wait a minute. No, Disney <laughs> does not get to decide what is and is not a classic. Are you <laughs> saying marketing- that Song of the Racist-Assed South is not a classic? They say I, Disney they is said not it saying was, that. and then they said they yeah. never said it was. And then That's they said, guess. <laughs> and then they said, Song of the South, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Locked yeah, in the that vault. doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Eric, you have kind of a point, sort of, Eric, but I will say it's based <laughs> solely on the dollars that Disney saw from said projects because you have yeah. Little Mermaid coming into 89 and just going bonkers ballistic, making a crap ton of cash, and that reignited the the resurgence because up to that point, some you know, 15, 20 years, Disney was just in the, the tank. And Don Bluth was kicking their ass. I would put it to you that Disney doesn't make movies for art's sake. They make it for cash. So, yeah, I would say that that was the (laughs) the deciding factor. So this CEO would say that. Yeah, has said that. But it's a point of contention for me for this this era, 89 to 99, we'll call it, because Rescuers Down Under sits in that period but it doesn't get any recognition because it didn't make any money uh but for my money that's my favorite one of that whole era (laughs) so take that it was structurally the more interesting i mean just it moved faster most disney films they sort of languish over the look and go see look it's a pretty cartoon rescuers is like yeah we get it's fucking cartoon let's move on with the action yeah and they don't mess around. So I I wanted to try and focus the show on just two of these movies. And my excuse is we're recording this in the middle of the releases of the live action versions yeah. of Aladdin and The Lion King here in summer of 2019. Because yeah. for whatever reason, Disney thought they needed to put both of those out within the same like month. Um uh, but Aladdin and the Lion King are widely considered to be some of the best of these Disney Renaissance films. Well, they certainly and made I thought the, we should do a show. Well, they made the most money, that's for sure, because each one topped their respective year at the box office. So, so Aladdin, the, Aladdin, that one's not fair. That one is only really interesting because of Robin Williams' input, and half of that was improvised. And it marks the beginning of celebrity animation ca- stunt casting, yeah. which dooms animation for like 20 years after Aladdin. Well, here's the thing, and we can maybe get into it uh, more in depth if it, sh- if it sort of progresses that way. But I rewatched Aladdin, and I'd forgotten all of the stuff that Robin Williams brought to the table. And all I could do was sit back and go, I do not remember this being completely 100% boomer comedy in a kid's movie but it is but it is and it it falls so flat and then you start thinking well how the fuck does a genie know about william f buckley and ed sullivan and la 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 you know you just start to wonder Uh, almost there are a few uh, provisos a a couple of quid pro quo right here direct from the lamp right here for your very much wish fulfillment he's breaking the wall yeah. That's 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 what made it like funny was the the wall breaking and I was hoping we'd see more of that. Yeah. But uh you know, I was more taken in by the fact that I had forgotten how much of a musical it really is. Uh that that really just faded from my mind. I really honestly hadn't seen it in like 20 years, so it was a jarring experience for me. And the animation yeah. looks so childish now. I mean, it it's yeah. like that's a what level of animation you now would see on like I don't know direct to DVD or whatever is direct to DVD now. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't look very polished at all. Well, I will say it's a step above the stuff from the late '60s, early '70s on era where they were. Oh sure, they were not using Xerox. Yeah, where they yeah, were basically they were just print- Disney's garage. Yeah, printing the cells and then coloring in the lines, and it was just a very uh, almost Hanna Barbera ish look, and they're just yeah artistically they're kind of bleh. But um, I remember so it, it being much more cutting edge than it actually looks. I do too. Yeah. I was kind of shocked at at how flat it came across. Well, I it, both both of these movies. Well, I think it, I just was recalling when they came out, and it was sort of their foray into integrating computer animation in with the traditional but the technology was so basic then that they had to just do it in little small chunks and so you get like the carpet ride in aladdin or the wildebeest stampede in lion king and just thinking when those came out that those were really showstopper segments and now you look at them and you go uh really 
you know, it's, it just makes you kind of yeah. well, that, boggle. That, that really came into its own, actually, in Tarzan with the deep canvas tech where they were really pushing through the forest and the vines and stuff. But, yeah, we're not there yet. Yeah. We're, we're at Aladdin. So I've had the weird pleasure of seeing the live-action Aladdin, the Broadway Aladdin, and the animated Aladdin all in the same year. Um, and, yeah, they have definitely done a good job of updating the genie's patter for each of these things so that it isn't just boomer humor. Yeah, that's it. Struck you know, they keep the timeless jokes, yeah, and then they do other stuff. But it did strike me watching the movie that it's very much time and place, and uh, you would almost have to update it. So I'm, gl- yeah, I'm glad that they sense. did that. I'm glad that they did that. If, if Will Smith did a Jack Nicholson impression, nobody would get it. All right, smart, <laughs> yeah, it's true. If you want to court the little lady, you gotta be a straight shooter. Do you got it? The other problem I had, and this is true of most of this renaissance era uh they definitely did not go out of their way to smash the patriarchy (laughs) they just they hewed very close to the traditional uh princess in her place yada 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 i mean it's and that's sort of that's the underlying subtext and i'm like did they really does people love this for their kids like that's kind of a backwards ass Little Mermaid and uh, Beauty and the Beast. I mean, they've they've got their problems. Yeah, but I mean, there's more of that there than I think in these movies. I mean, uh, The Lion King, especially. My God, like Simba does absolutely nothing to earn his place in the pride. Right? He's an <laughs> asshole. Yeah, I will Simba's agree. Just a little self-centered dickhead. Why does Nala love him? I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. Uh, I Fuck have you. Yeah, Simba. I have uh, very, very big problems with the structure of Lion King, uh, just as a movie, because it's it's very much one half, second half, and they don't really finesse anything to get you to the second half. It's just hey, we're gonna sing Hakuna Matata, and then we're gonna do a a fade montage and show Simba getting older and bigger and then uh-huh. we're still singing hakuna matata and then suddenly nala shows up and they know who each other is it's just good come and, on and his sister gives him his black panther suit and suddenly he's the <laughs> yeah. black panther yeah so uh. yeah I, I just viewed that as you know he spent his his teenage years stoned out of his mind and can't remember anything so neither can we yeah and as here he is as happens when your friends are a warthog and a meerkat We've all been there. We've all been there. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, it, but yeah, it, it's Chris. The, I'm telling you again: the warthog and the meerkat were all in your imagination. They weren't real. I know you think they were. <laughs> there goes my head. Bam. So, have you seen the the Lion King Broadway thing? Had you seen that? I have not. So it's just and a, I have a never one. been terribly interested in yeah. it. Yeah. It it struck me as like it would be one of those like ice capades type deals. I'm not interested either. No, it's uh, what's the woman? Um, oh, that Australian director. She's really awesome. Shit, can't remember her fucking name. But you know, she did she did a very interesting uh, take on it and does a lot of puppetry. And okay, I, I remember at the Tony Awards seeing them do a number from it and thinking, shit, I really want to see this. Like a lot of. I mean, I'll Shadow go see work. it when it comes to town. Well, <laughs> all I know is that uh, we sat down to watch it this week, and the opening scene comes up, and then it's got that African savanna type music with and Nancy's like sat up in in the, the seat, and she's like, "That's where this is from." Oh my god! Because <laughs> she's been to Disney World for like work conference stuff with the with her job, and so she's been to the the Wild Kingdom there, and it plays everywhere apparently. But she had no context for it, so when it happened, she kind of went, "Oh, I'm done. I'm going upstairs." And that was okay, the last Jane, I saw of her. It was Jane Campion. Okay, the piano. And okay, so uh, apologies. She's a she's a Zealander. She's not from. Uh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. So when she whenever she does anything theater, it's like I'm in. Okay. Me too. Yeah. 
So have we already I pretty much know. decided that we don't have anything to say about Aladdin? We just want to talk about well, the Lion King. Well, let's. I, I, well, I think it would be fun if they did a non-musical, non-comedy, uh, 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 geopolitical take on. Bullshitting you. There's no reason to. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> could we do it in iambic just, pentameter? Just leave it as it could is. We just yeah. do it with humans. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, well let's look anybody at- who wants to rip on the fact that uh, Will Smith is basically just redoing the cartoon, shut up. You, unless you have better ideas, just shut up. Well, yeah, and we can get to that as well because the, these remakes themselves all have sort of the air of desperation about them. It's like Disney is not content with owning Marvel and Star Wars and really all of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everyone's childhood. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. now they're going to trash yeah. uh, childhood. I'm glad they're leaving our basic childhood memories fairly intact because you don't see them remaking. They? Well, they're not remaking, uh, say, Robin Hood or Yet. Bed Knobs I mean, and Brunettes. The Jungle Book. Yeah, have you Are seen you that about yeah. Disney animations from our childhood? Because I don't remember any. They were yeah. broke in the seventies. They, they made a Pete's Dragon, Chris. Um, Missed it. That happened recently. Yeah. Well, I I tried to watch the Jungle Book, and I just can't. And so that's my template. It's actually really good. I just I don't I, I can't. It's just it's weird to me watching fake animals that they're making look real doing stuff that I've already seen in a cartoon that was more entertaining. I don't really know how to explain it. I just don't like, if they're going to, they're going to do this, let's go full tilt. Let's have them redo the Robin hood movie, but do it with photorealistic animals, like a Fox in the green hat, like rocket raccoon and just go with that. That's not, that's no dumber than anything they've been doing so far in my mind. I feel a little uncomfortable with, and okay, this, this is going to take a bit of unpacking. There are all of these racist moments from classic Disney period, and I don't think we should have four stereotypical African-American magpies on the wire in Dumbo. But at the same time, by completely excluding it, it's almost like they're saying it never happened. I don't know what to do with that. You know? it's. I mean, this is just... This is you could think of it as trying to keep the trademark alive, right? Or keep the brand alive. Yeah. They're they're repackaging it. They're just saying, okay, this is um, you know, there was Gen 1 Transformers and then there was Beast Wars. You know, this is just the Beast Wars of Disney stuff. <laughs> right? Where it's, they're they're just saying, Okay, it's been twenty five years. Yeah. Um, we need to you know, to make some more money. We have all this intellectual property. We have these brands. We can sell this to a new generation. We'll get the parents to bring the kids because the parents will be like, oh, yeah, Aladdin and the Lion King. I loved those. I want my kid to see it. Right? I understand the thinking. Yeah. I'm just saying I think it would be nice if, you know, how when they show movies on television, they say this, this feature has been altered to fit your television screen. They should have a thing in here saying... This feature originally had some horrible, horrible shit in it, and we've taken it out. <laughs> yeah. Our bad. It's yeah. sort of like... Uh, we're, not, we're not trying to march that back. Yeah. We're just saying, wrong time. Yeah, coming from the Disney vault, Song yeah. of the South, and then it's like two minutes long. That's yeah. <laughs> that's what it, what it sounds like. But I mean, I, I don't know. I think I think the originals exist. There's plenty of hot takes like this where people can point that out. The The message that that was there, and in retrospect, maybe we shouldn't have done that. I think the message is out there. Um, they don't have to acknowledge it directly in the remakes. I don't know. Well, it doesn't bug me. Well, I think we, I don't remember if we pointed this out in some episode previous. Uh, and, and I haven't seen the remakes, so this is totally just based on the trailers alone so you can correct me if i'm mm-hmm. wrong but it just seems like kind of a pointless artistic exercise and again yeah it's it's commerce so what are you gonna do but are they really effectively doing shot for shot remakes of the original cartoons on these things aladdin is is different in some some significant ways um They've added subplots. They, I mean, they've definitely gotten a bit more woke with respect to Princess Jasmine. Okay. Uh, they, there's a significant rewrite on her character where 
her deal is she's qualified to be Sultan. She's a better military strategist than Jafar or her father is. Um, but the law says, you know, hey, you're a female, so nope, we just need to marry you off to some jackass. Okay. And so at the end, the 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 sultan changing the law isn't so that the daughter can marry whoever she wants. He changes the law, so you know what? Fuck it. She's qualified. She gets to be sultan. And okay. that, you know, so that's... Right. Do you, they yeah, make that's those better. kinds of changes. Do you, think, <laughs> yeah. do you think they will make any significant changes to Lion King? I, you know, the way they've been marketing it, it's like shot for shot yeah, so far. Exactly. And, and that's it's, a little concerning. And it's Favreau, right? Who also made Jungle Book, so I've already yep. got a problem with it <laughs> going in. So I don't really know and what James to make Earl of it. James Earl Jones is still the voice of Mufasa. I want to know, did James Earl Jones actually show up in the last couple of years to record lines, or did they just take the audio from back in the 94? <laughs> Wouldn't that be I'm funny? I'm thinking... Does this really count, though, as a live-action Lion King? It's just computer-generated no. Yeah, but that's, yeah, it's that's what I'm saying. No, film. But that's what I'm I don't saying. Think there's a human in it. Where? No, I don't think there is. Okay. I don't, I, there was a human in the Jungle Book. There was one human. This is an animated film. Yeah. It's just a way different kind it's, of animation. But that's what I'm even saying. If even if it's live-action uh, Veltland that... You know, they're, they're putting the animation onto, it's, it's, it's an animated film. Yeah. I don't know. I th- yeah. I don't know. I, uh, it's it's they bothersome. can't think of anything else original anymore, and they can't take risks. So let's well, just redo the same old well, thing. And I and my I think my big beef, and I had to think long and hard because watching both Aladdin and Lion King in one week and it left me extremely cold. Uh, and it made Disney-fied. me yeah, It made me wonder if like is my heart just that dead? But I had to. Recall all of the yes. years that I worked at <laughs> Blockbuster <laughs> Video, where pretty much 24-7, all you got on the overhead video screens was Disney promo bullshit, and it just oh, God. drilled into my brain, and that's all I can associate it with, is just working 9 to 5 at a shitty video store job, getting yelled at by people that don't want to pay their $2 late fees, while Kiss the Girl or some shit is playing in the background. It's like, oh, this is like a living fucking nightmare. And that's sort of what dredged up when I watched these things. There was a little mermaid who dreamed of something more. Coming to video in 1998. Uh, So, I don't know. It's just me, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, I've had the same job as you, and I guess my, I had the same problems you had to experience. It's just, I guess what I took out of it was, I didn't blame the movies, I blame people. And so I just despise all people. <laughs> well, there's that. despise movies. Well, then it's that too. I just had the double whammy then, I guess. So, I hate Double it. whammy, kiss me! Double whammy, hug! <laughs> <laughs> Chris, did, did you feel besieged in any way? Uh, were, were, were you under the siege? Under the siege. Oh. Well, and then, <laughs> well, and that's the other thing, is that... <laughs> you have under the siege yet? Under, yeah, under the siege. How many is that in the new releases? I'm a dumb uh, son of a bitch, and I only watch new releases. <laughs> <laughs> well, which brings up another aspect of this. It's, do you think these movies would work at all without the music? Like, if they just didn't do them as musical, just did them as a straight-up cartoon, would they have worked? So, interesting point about that. I was watching The Lion King today. And I was oh. skipping the songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I mean, they would start, and I was like, no. And then I would skip the songs. Uh, yeah. So, um, is it as good as. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but yeah. I'm sorry. I'm broke, just, Eric. Oh my God. <laughs> But yeah, it's no. The songs in the Lion King are particularly awful, except for um, "Be Prepared." the The villain song is "Be Prepared." Yeah, it's a very. I always figured they put they put songs in those movies just to avoid monologuing. It's like we need to get across character information, and kids are going to fall asleep. So put it in a toe tapper. Exactly. That's that's the one thing that struck me watching these again with fresh eyes is that the songs sole purpose is to just be expository 
in yeah. some way. It's like no, no, Chris. The song's sole purpose is a marketing tool. <laughs> yeah, well, Those that's songs true. Got re-recorded by like Peebo Bryson or something and played on the radio yeah. to remind your ass to go see the movie. Well, but like, that's that's a Disney. Ch- I mean, yeah. that was like the early '90s when Disney released the album of stars singing all of the songs from the like the silver age and the golden age and it's stuff like harry connick jr singing the bare necessities the bare necessities the bare necessities the bare necessities of life will come to you So I mean that's just no, but, that's but just like, Disney. These were designed that way. Like the end credits were the radio pop single. Oh, version that's of the right. Song. That's right. The, movie. the and then they would yeah yeah oh, yeah. Oh. New World was a was a big <laughs> hit, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you know that. And then that's played on the radio, and that's played in the Disney theme parks, and those songs, if anything are the way people remember these movies more than the movies. That was the thing that I noticed was I didn't remember any of this shit that was going on between the songs, but I remembered all the yeah. fucking songs. Yeah, well, and yeah, they're like, they were skippable. they're like earworms. Uh, but like like Hakuna Matata, when that one was playing, I didn't remember all the talky-talky stuff in the middle when they're doing their, like, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead uh, mm-hmm. back and forth. I mean, it just, it was sort of distracting because I'm like... I don't remember this at all. And then you get to the, like the love songs. They've always got like the, the showstopper, the fun song and the love song. That seems to be the, the pattern. Uh, but (laughs) what made me laugh is that when Aladdin was also the, the damsel wish, uh, song. That's, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. I I want someone to come in here and yeah. Yeah, do some like nasty what? things to me yeah yeah so it's so it's <laughs> yeah so it's a pretty standard formula that they got rocking from uh little mermaid on and it's very apparent in every single one of these except rescuers down under but all the rest of them uh, <laughs> do that's why it's not one of the movies it doesn't <laughs> yeah. follow the template yeah and that's why it tanked at the box office i guess uh <laughs> but and i got into this discussion with a co-worker who's millennial uh and i was talking about uh what's this whole new world and i swear to god i always thought that that was from uh beauty and the beast and they're like no that's aladdin i'm like i don't remember yep. that at all but then it's like the big <laughs> carpet ride scene and then like how did i forget that and then that's when a light bulb went off in my head i'm like well at least for me all these movies are flipping interchangeable there's just you could do one mm. solid movie and it would be just replacing the backgrounds. Yeah. I, I legit think, thought it was the same voice actress who did Little Mermaid and Beating <laughs> yeah. the Beast and yeah, Aladdin. Yeah, it is definitely the same pitch. And Enchanted is good on that because it gets very meta with the whole Disney cartoon princess story. It's worth watching just to just for them to turn it inside out. Yeah. This conversation is making me respect Wreck-It Ralph 2 more. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> no small feat that. Uh, well, yeah. So if you had to pick a song, and, and we can go outside the realm of just Aladdin, Lion King, uh, like, do you what's <laughs> what's what's the most notable song to you from this era? Like, what's the one that just says this is '90s Disney? Oh, uh, I I keep getting Prince Ali stuck in my head. But I've been seeing Prince a lot of Ali, fabulous he, Ali Abamwa. Yeah, one? Alan okay. Menken is. I mean, Alan Menken is just awesome at this shit. Like, well, he is. He is great. He's the guy. He did the Captain America song in the in the first Captain America movie. Well, is he the one that did uh, Little Shop of Horrors? Yes, he is. Okay. 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 Then yeah. I always go back to Under the Sea. That's that is just earworm worthy. And I think right there, Brian needs to put in the opening bars. That's why I said it without referencing it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to give away the store, but thank you. But I already dropped it for under the sea, under the sea, under the sea, beneath the waves, underneath the water, below the waterline. I'm underneath the water. I'm down here inside of the ocean, within the waves. Yeah. Look, 
Ariel just wants to be part of your world, man. Shut up. Uh, yeah, for me, it's, uh, there's really no song that I know past Lion King. And I went and saw every single one of these and hated myself more and more every time I went. So by the time Tarzan came out, I think I was just there because it's air conditioning. And, uh, <laughs> and I honestly, I mean, I know Phil Collins had something to do with that one, but I couldn't for the life of me tell you what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a stamp of quality right there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's you're, like, you're so trying to tell me you not- watched something that Phil Collins was involved with and you were <laughs> bored? How did that happen? Yeah, it's a tough sell. Not in any way the best of these movies or the best of these songs or even the most memorable of these songs. I just remember being uh, being kind of gobsmacked that they got away with the song She Will Burn from the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. Um, that was something else. But anyway. Now, Gypsy, it's your turn. Choose me or your pyre. Be mine or you. You know what? There, there's a whole thing though with the I, I, I finally like years later read the book and I was like, those motherfuckers. I mean, this is a dark, <laughs> dark yeah. story, and I mean, just the idea of of making a cartoon of it and then of changing the ending on it. It's like I can see, you know, okay, uh, Little Mermaid. That's that's a dark ending that they changed. This is this is far worse. This is like this is like if they made like. Like like a cheery happy musical Holocaust cartoon, <laughs> which is basically what they so did. So beyond fucked up. Yeah. Well, and it's it's maybe that's the Demi Moore effect because she also did that ridiculous adaptation of Scarlet Letter with Daniel yeah. Day Lewis that was nothing <laughs> like the book. And I feel sorry for any kid in high school who decides that they're going to base their book report on that movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's I, like I, I think there was one of the reviews was this can this this is a film that contains nothing of the the original text except perhaps the sexy bathtub scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, we've gone way way off. Yeah. This took it's a, a turn. show on adaptation, if anything else. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the 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 song thing really—they're there to just propel the juggernaut marketing cash machine. They're there to fill minutes. These things are only eighty-six minutes long, and if you didn't have the songs, they would be twenty-five. Yeah, and the story that's there is not there. It's just—it's so appalling. But I, you know, I get it. They're made for kids, theoretically, but. You Good think? lord! The fact that these things are, make no, they are dude. the only musicals that were being made for a long time too. They were yeah, they're, they're still I following guess. musical format. And here's I the give thing, you, Chris. Got to give it. Gotta, all I want to all I want to say yeah. there is like you know, got to give it up to Duncan Sheik because the songs he's coming up with now, uh, yeah, it's if we we, we didn't have. <laughs> These musicals. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Whammy! Wow. Okay. <laughs> no, um, Chris, I think I think you're under uh, appreciating, and maybe this is because I'm the only parent on the show. Perhaps. But these are children's entertainments that the parents can tolerate, and there is so much value in that. Okay. There is so much children's I- entertainment that kids will watch, and kids will watch this shit over and over oh. on repeat. They will just start it over and start it over. And if it's like, like there is some god awful shit out there. Like this isn't Shark Tale, okay? This is <laughs> actually tolerable. The songs can get stuck in your head. Yeah, they're trite, but they're entertaining. Robin Williams telling jokes for boomers was for the parents in the audience. Yeah, um, there. It's I mean, the Rocky and Bullwinkle thing. If you make something that works on a kid level and on an adult level, uh, that's where the real success lies. I know. I. I mean, I get it. I get it. But again, I think it's just some sort of repressed PTSD from that era, because just hearing the music from the opening, like logo of Disney, like do 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 do, and then that that very distinct announcer voice coming this fall on Disney home video Aladdin like you've never seen him before and then ain't never seen a friend like me blah 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 and then they, it's just like 24-7 when you're working at a video store and it's just like you want to claw your fucking eyeballs out and tear your ears off 
You know, it's just it's Chris's Disney nightmare world. Yeah, it's just awful. <laughs> and then they come out with all of like the tertiary video stuff. So it's not just the nope, none of that exists. Yeah, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> so it's like this nope. the sing along song. Like a hurricane here in Duckburg. <laughs> no, no, we're talking like Ray's there's, there's a Cinderella. Yeah, Eric, there's a Cinderella three. Okay, because they all lived happily ever after, except for when they didn't, and then they yeah. all lived happily. Ever- no, yeah. no, I'm sorry. No, no, you're, you're again. That's, no, it's they didn't. It's Cinderella cubed, and it's Cinderella crash lands on a prison planet with nothing but men, and then, yeah, uh, alien is inside in her. There's this great movie <laughs> yeah. in the '80s called Alone in the Dark, and there's this kid who I guess has uh, autism, but this is before they knew what autism was, and. The grown-up is asking him, because he's playing with his Spider-Man figure, so do you like uh, a superhero? You know, do you like comic books? He says, no, because the heroes always lose. What do you mean? I thought they always win. No, the bad guys always come back. They're just dressed different. And I think that's, that's, that's what that makes me think of a Cinderella sequel. Like, life is just horrible. Yeah, there's a lot of endings that are happy in the moment, but Jesus Christ, then there's another problem. That reminds me of one of the few notes that I actually took the time to write down while I was watching Aladdin, uh, and it was related to Jafar. And I'm like, Jafar, I mean, look at him. How do they not know he's the villain? I mean, it's just, it's so How do open. they not think he's a child molester? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so it's just stuff I like that. I think they might have gone to Jafar. Oh! Uh, hey! <laughs> that, those not dad jokes. Them's rad jokes. <laughs> So Jafar, yeah, Jafar is is just this sleazy villain. Um, But I I love Scar. Scar is just so well, you know, just rotten. Well, how can you not though? It's shitty. It's Jeremy freaking Irons, man. It's Klaus von Bülow. I mean, it's that's like the quintessential Disney villain from that era. For my money, you can't beat him. So. We're getting on to, you know, getting to be about time. Do we have any final thoughts on this rambling conversation? Uh, only that I'm glad that Pixar came along and really upped the ante so that Disney could eventually purchase everything and ruin everything. That's <laughs> pretty much the... Is there... I've got a question since you saw uh, the, the Aladdin movie. Is there even an ounce of Guy Ritchie in this film? Because when I yeah, heard he yeah. made it, the I was camera like, this, tricks. this is insane. No, I like like I was saying, um, the camera tricks, he does this really cool stuff in the dance numbers where different characters in the same shot are shot at different, um, you know, crank speeds of the, of the camera. So some people are moving too fast and others are moving too slow and others are moving at the note, but it's all in sync to the music. It's freaking cool. Well, I did but hear that no- the... Uh- Cockneys with shotguns yes. getting locked <laughs> yes, in. The, the, Although the scene, the scene where he's running through the streets of Agrabah to the one step ahead of the whatever, you know, that's kind of got like the low shutter speed and the, you know, it feels like something from Sherlock Holmes. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Eric stole my joke. I was to say the director's cut was all in Cockney and they made him reshoot it. <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I honestly don't have anything to really add to this i am the wrong crowd for for this era of disney uh the only reason i saw any of them was because of girls i was dating at the time that was just sort of the thing so if it weren't if it weren't for that i never would have seen them i don't think you know yeah when i was living with andre we had no cable the television didn't work and she had every disney cartoon on vhs because her father didn't know what to get her for christmas for her entire life and so she would always get a disney cartoon and all we had to watch were fucking disney cartoons and And they were in those they were in those stupid clamshell vhs cases not just the regular sleeves so they were special because they were coming out of some quote-unquote library stupid shell yeah Yeah. it's just come on disney get over yourself and then you know you get the the announcer again going new out of the disney vault it's like there's no vault you guys just need a cash infusion for your next goddamn project i'm so bitter i i see scrooge mcduck with a bunch of videos going what do i want to cash in on now ducktales yeah we might Chris, solve you a say- mystery <laughs> or rewrite history <laughs> ducktales <laughs> 
damn it. Chris, yeah. you say you're the wrong person, but you're so the right person, because that this is a fresh take. Any other podcast talking about these movies would be talking about them in a serious or, or nostalgic way, and you're like, Jesus Christ, not yeah. these movies. Oh, God. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> it's you know? basically, I, don't, I hold no nostalgia for these movies at all. They don't do anything for me. <laughs> it's like, unless it's shitty 70s Disney or earlier, I don't want it. Yeah. So until we get the remake of Gus, Chris is hard <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, but it needs to be animated just yeah. to screw with people. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's oh. right. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to hear more of us like reminiscing about your childhood and hating it, uh, go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com, and go find all of our old episodes, because, yeah, we we talk about some, some obscure-ass old stuff on that on these shows, so yeah. check us out, tell us uh, what you think, uh, you can find us on Twitter, we're at maghuge, go to our Facebook page, Magnificently Huge Podcast, we're on Instagram, or email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com, we're lonely, we're complaining, we're old, we're bitter, <laughs> we like, need your love. Come on, people. This is like another se- second episode in a row where we're just old men yelling at clouds. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Magnificently Huge Podcast, Old Men Yelling at Clouds. Boom. Give it five stars on iTunes. Home. Home. Home.